thanks for being here tonight, guys. We're in um, technically tomorrow, second week of Advent, which is, uh, the, it's framed by peace, the word peace, the word shalom. But I, I kind of feel like I want to go in a little different direction tonight and just see what happens. But uh, I think we're living in a time, let me just read this statement and then, then we'll jump in. When one kingdom invades another, the result is violence, pain, and death. Eventually, there comes a pseudo-calm that is labeled as peace and lasts only as long as the dominant force can control. But this is never true peace because peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Advent is the story of an invasion. The irony of Advent is that it came through the man of peace who taught us how to be human and then turned himself over to violence, pain, and ultimately death. His resurrection secured peace on earth by first depositing peace in us. This is the the theme, I think, of the incarnation, that by God becoming one of us to rescue all of us, there was an activation of the impartation of the Prince of Peace into all of humanity. And some are awake to this and some are blind to that. And I think even at times in our own lives, we can kind of become blind to the reality of what we carry. But uh, circumstances and situations around us can can be chaotic and horrible, and yet we can carry peace on the inside of us. I think about Jesus in the boat, and the storm was raging, and he was asleep in the boat. The, The God who created the universe was asleep in the boat in the midst of this great storm. And I, I kind of feel like, hey, great, I'm so happy the disciples went down there and woke him up. Good job, disciples. I probably would have done the same thing. But maybe the invitation was, hey, come down and rest with me. You guys have been working hard. I've been working hard. We're exhausted. I've made the statement, we're going to go to the other side. And I am actually the word of God. <laughs> what, what I say is probably going to happen. So, hey, you, boys, come on down and rest with me. What an amazing story that would have been. And I feel, feel sometimes when I'm in the middle of a chaotic situation, just to be reminded that, hey, carrying the peace in me, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I have the access to enter into true rest. Even though I may not understand how everything is going to be fixed or everything's going to be changed or my circumstances are going to be better, I know that I can carry it with peace. And this is where the peace of passes understanding comes in. I'll get in that too in just a second. But um, that amazing statement in Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I mean, that right there pretty much wraps up the gospel in, in a single statement. Peace, goodwill toward men. Not judgment and condemnation is coming to you and you better watch out. That's not the good news. The good news is that Peace has come. Peace is a person. And now what happened in Adam was reversed in Jesus. And I think sometimes about just that life that Jesus lived. You know, when did he discover that he was the Prince of Peace? Did he he always know? Did he learn and grow? The Bible seems to indicate that he learned and grew in this wisdom and understanding of who he actually was. But tonight, as I'm thinking about war around the world and a lot of the turmoil that's going on right now, particularly with, with Israel and Gaza and just it seems to be like the nations are in an uproar. 
And, and we know that, you know, we're on the side of peace. As citizens of the kingdom, we are on the side of peace. Ultimately, there will be no more war. There will be no more violence. And I, I like to just make sure that I'm, I'm never lowering myself to a political level where I'm just aligning with one side or the other and hope that they, you know, pummel each other and therefore achieve what? Justice? No, violence will never achieve justice. The only violence that ever brought true justice was the cross, and that was the violence done against God. And then it's articulated to me best in this song by you 2 Peace on Earth. And buying this song, Bono Laments. Let me just read it to you, okay? He says, heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around. I'm sick of the sorrow, sick of the pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? I listen to this song every Christmas, and I do it intentionally, because it creates an awareness of me that there's still a longing for what will be, even though we know what is. We know the truth of peace on earth. We know the truth of peace in us, but we not, don't see that peace in, in our culture. And, and I think one of the reasons that we don't and continue to develop in this as just as a society is because I don't think we've fully preached the good news yet. I don't think the real gospel has shown up yet. Because when the real gospel shows up, there's liberation and peace for people. And when people have an encounter with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, it changes them forever. I could tell you all about Scripture and the story of Jesus and fill you full of head knowledge, but what changed it for me was that experience that I had in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1991 when the presence of Jesus was right there with me, showering me with his love. And I know that we want to help people have those kind of encounters. But it's such a, it's such a cry of the heart in this song, isn't it? to see peace, and I don't see, I don't see any way where it's going to be achieved outside of Jesus. There is no man-made peace. It never lasts. I mean, this worldly, this worldly system loves the idea of being able to distribute and procure peace, um, but it lacks the ability to achieve it and in, in offer it in any lasting way. I mean, think about it in terms of, of a warranty. <laughs> you buy a warranty for something, and it kind of gives you peace for a while, and then once it's up, that peace is gone, that you're not going to get that paid for anymore. I remember I had a dryer that, like, broke literally, like, the day after the warranty went on. I'm like, they have this timed. You know, what is going on? I mean, think about peace treaties between nations. They get violated. They don't, they don't work anymore. They don't provide the lasting peace that we're all looking for. But we are citizens of the kingdom of peace. We are those that carry peace with us. And I think that's the difference is there will be, be, there will be no external peace until you embrace the internal peace within you. John 14, 27, Jesus said this, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Here's, here's the key. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You know, I think it, I think it takes a lot of courage 
to, in the midst of anxiety and fear, to remind yourself how loved you are. And this, for me, is what melts fear out of my house, my, my heart, in order for me and my house, in order for me to be um, serene and calm, I usually have to go back to the basics of how loved I am. And it's that perfect love that casts out all fear. I really, I really want to encourage you this whole Christmas season as you're in this Advent season. It's just, it's a time of waiting. You know, we're kind of, Advent is really a time of almost recreating the waiting period, you know, and reenacting that waiting period and sitting in that waiting period from the prophecy of Messiah to the arrival of Messiah on the scene. Now, we, we know the end from the beginning right now. We already know the, the outcome, but I feel like there's something about sitting in it and waiting in it to say, Lord, I, I want you to reveal yourself to me as the Prince of Peace in this season. But he said he leaves a gift of peace with you. You know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if I was God and I wanted to leave a gift with my followers, I, I, I'd, I'd like to kind of leave the gift of all-powerful being able to shoot lightning bolts out of your fingers and, you know, heal someone on the spot or, you know, make, it, make that situation right. Control, control, control would be kind of my gift that I wouldn't want. But God doesn't do that. God's not controlling. Love is not controlling. Love requires consent. And love will faithfully pursue you until the end of time. This is the promise that we have, not just for us, for all humanity. So the gift that he gave was peace. The spirit of peace. Don't let your heart be, hearts be troubled. Don't be fearful. Be courageous. Remind yourself that I am loved. Peace on earth, I think, is an internal reality. First, the word shalom in Hebrew, we know, means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. And it can also be used to idiomatically mean both hello and goodbye. You hear this on the streets of Jerusalem. Shalom, shalom, shalom. We were down there, you know, with Grace Natori and, and Scott Volk and Man, it was so rich to just be in that environment. Um, how, how would we look at, at it if peace was always our hello and goodbye? What if we always entered into a situation in peace and we left a situation in peace? Whatever it may be, maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's a job, uh, maybe it's a relationship. We enter in peace, we exit in peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. We read a long passage of scripture here in Ephesians, but let this just sink in to you tonight. If you're those that learn by reading, read it. If you learn by listening, just close your eyes and listen to me. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. This literally means everyone. This was the only, this were only two categories, Jew and Gentile, Jew and non-Jew. Everyone he has made one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity, Jews and non-Jews fused together in himself. Two have now become one. And we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. I love that. 
I don't, I, don't see, I don't see the manifestation of that yet, but I do believe that. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of what? Of peace to you. The ones who were distant and to those who are near, and now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. This was the beauty of Jesus being the very first to declare God as Father. Prior to that, no no one would ever refer to God as Father. And, And when you bring God into the context of family, you have a better picture of how he views us as his sons and daughters. I know my own kids, my children, Caroline and Kate, I would do anything for them. There's, there's nothing they can do to make me stop loving them. I would go to the ends of the earth to help them and serve them, even when they're not maybe paying attention to me or acting in the right way or making the right decisions. I know you know what I'm talking about. And yet, the heart of the father, the heart of the mother, which is what Jesus came to reveal to us, is that, no, I, I will never give up on my kids. There's a lot of peace in knowing that. There's a lot of peace in knowing that. The Prince of Peace, Jesus is referred to. A peace that could stand up and calm a storm and stand still at a trial. Jesus is not just our example of peace. He is our peace. Today inside you, you have what it takes to face every moment, to face tomorrow, to have peace in your present situation. So what do we do? I think we need to boldly ask peace what to do. If peace is in you and you carry peace, I say, okay, peace, Prince of Peace, Jesus. What do I do? What do I do? Hebrews 4.16 ratifies this. It says, so now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us when? In times of weakness. When do we need to boldly go before the throne of grace? When we don't feel like we're worthy. When we don't feel like we've earned it. Human nature loves to feel like, well, I've, I've earned it. I've, I've been good. I can go before God. No, it's the exact opposite. When we need grace, when we need peace from the Father, the Bible says, go boldly. Go like a little kid running into dad's office in the middle of a meeting, not concerned if you're interrupting other stuff, and jump into his lap and say, hey, I need some help. (laughs) It's really that image that changes everything for me. Boldly ask peace what to do. What about peace in times of, of tears and confusion and chaos? I know we've all had times of tears and confusion and chaos. We struggle, and we, we need help, and we've boldly gone before the, the throne, and it's like, what do I do? How do I have peace in this situation? I'm confused. Everything around me is chaotic. I'm, I'm, I'm crying my eyes out because I, I don't know what to do. King David lamented like this all the time. I think this is what we hear in Bono's song. He's lamenting the fact that we don't see this yet. I'm sick of waiting. I'm tired of not having peace on earth. Well, Philippians 4, 6, I think gives us a great, not formula. The Bible's not a formula. But it gives us a great connection 
to remind ourselves that we don't have to try to understand everything to have peace. It, it says and invites us into this relationship. Don't worry about anything. Man, that right there, Sarah said it at the beginning of service. Worry feels really responsible, doesn't it? It's like someone needs to worry about this. Not worrying feels irresponsible. And I've had to get used to not worrying about stuff and get used to the fact that in, in my nature to perform is like I have to do something. I have to at least be thinking about this and all the possible negative outcomes and, you know, all the scenarios. I don't know if you're not like me, but I can, I can draw out all the possibilities of how this could go sideways, how this could go really wrong. And yet this, this invitation, don't worry about anything. I mean, even when I say that out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, I want that so bad. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Talk to your heavenly father. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We forfeit the peace that passes understanding when we try to understand everything. I don't think you will have any spiritual transcendence in your life, growth, becoming more like Jesus, unless you start inviting mystery in your life. I don't have to understand, but God is good. I don't have to know all the outcomes, but I know he's with me. I know that I can have peace that passes understanding when I let go of trying to understand everything. So let me ask you tonight, What are you going to relegate to the realm of mystery so that you can have peace? What tonight has been maybe plaguing your thoughts? Maybe it's a situation that you're currently in. What are you going to relegate to the realm of mystery? Say, I don't know, but God is good. I don't know, but God is with me. So that you can leave this place tonight with the kind of peace that passes understanding. Be thinking about that. I'm going to finish up with this, and and then we're going to receive communion together. Um, but I've recently been thinking a lot about this. What is a peacemaker? You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically gave what I call the constitution of the kingdom of God. If we were to have a constitution of the kingdom of God, I think, I think the Sermon on the Mount is it. And in one of those statements, he said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Um, in another Message, in the message paraphrase, he says this, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Isn't that great? A peacemaker. A friend of mine, Jonathan Foster, did a little uh, interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount. He, he came up with this statement, and I absolutely love it. Peacemaking is different than peacekeeping. And those who figure it out are blessed with childlike wonder. When you figure out the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping, I believe there's a childlike awe and wonder to begin to believe for that real, true peace to begin to to continue to infiltrate our world. You know, there's been stories of of uh, folks in Gaza, Hamas fighters, having dreams where Jesus comes to them in their dream. Like literally just shows up, say, hey, I'm Jesus. 
This, this, this is the God that became one of us to rescue all of us. An encounter. You know, I, we have someone right here in our hometown that uh, had that encounter, Naeem Fazel at Mosaic Church. Jesus literally showed up in his room, and, and he was in, instantly aware of his, who he was, and then Naeem was aware of who he was. <laughs> oh, this is who I'm really supposed to be. This is who I'm supposed to embrace. So it, it's, it's not just the proclaiming of the gospel across the world from our lips. I believe there are supernatural encounters with God's grace that can kick things off in people's life and begin to, to bring peace on earth. And so when we see a situation like we're seeing right now in Israel and the Palestinian Authority, when we're seeing this kind of evil and fighting and death and destruction and violence, you know, I think the thing that we can do is pray for encounters. I can't go over there and fix anything. I couldn't make a difference or a dent and be, be a peace uh, a peacekeeper in that situation, but I can be a peacemaker right where I am. And so I'd just encourage you not, not to just take that broad global view, but why don't we also take that view personally? I want to be a peacemaker everywhere I go. I want to help people learn how to cooperate and work together. This requires a hyper-focus on the love of God, on loving everyone the most, of having a mentality that when I enter into a relationship or a communication with someone, I'm going to let love guide the conversation. And I know I'm always going to come back to that. But peace is a person. Peace is internal. And peace is a destination. Peace is where you're heading. We're heading towards ultimate peace. We are citizens of another kingdom. We actually already, that kingdom is already here and now, and yet it's not yet. And that's kind of the, for me, the Advent waiting season that we're in right now. Our whole life is awaiting for the ultimate reconciliation of all things. We may not experience it in our lifetime, but love never fails. Love will chase us down through eternity and have the final say in our lives. And that final say is, you will be at peace. 